0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that normally brings together well-known friends to talk through three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine but of course we are living through lockdown in these strange and worrying times so this is another episode that's being brought to you by phone this week but fear not i have a guest for you that is bound to raise a smile born and raised in essex he started his professional life as a copywriter before quitting a very good job in 2016 to pursue life as a stand-up going on four years later to win the edinburgh comedy award these days He's out on the road or was prior to lockdown with a show that really does describe his comedy mind, fast and curious. Although now he's in lockdown in Manchester with his wife Lindsay and their young daughter Minna, he's still continuing to pump out the jokes. Every day on his IGTV and his YouTube channel, he's doing his regular caning sessions. And he also has some great podcasts that you can download, Evil Genius being one and Boys Don't Cry being the other. So let's dial up a man who I think is arguably one of the funniest in the country. It's Russell Kane. Russell Kane. How you doing? How's the line? Hello, my darling. How are you?
2: Just trying to fill my days with something, trying to find stuff to do. Easier said than done. Um, I'm used to, you know, like doing stuff during the day, maybe filming something early evening on stage. I do two hours. Tour show, so to drop down into absolutely nothing is killing me. It really is. I'm a hamster with no wheel.
1: <laughs> That's a brilliant way to describe it. Although your daily uploads on Instagram have been giving me something of a life. I have to be honest. Thank you.
2: Well, I'm very lucky in that uh, a lot of the stand-ups have had to think right. What what's the equivalent thing I can do with a camera in my bedroom? How does it translate? Given that comedy is so much about feeding off the people around you, just by sheer coincidence. I've been practising doing these things called canings for four years. Didn't re- you know, I'm like the prepper that, that everyone laughed at, uh, suddenly needs all the beans in his basement. I've got, like a, I've got like puns on one shelf. I've got one-liners. I've got political satire pickled in a secret section and a compostable toilet full of Boris Johnson jokes. Oh,
1: God. And I, I have to say, I love the way you are reframing the pandemic. Because it, it sometimes feels like we can't even afford to laugh. And I think we have to, because it, it is arguably, I mean, to say but the best medicine is, is not quite right in these times. But it is
2: definitely hand washing and an antibody <laughs> test and a vaccine and then laughter. So laughter is very much for. Um, well, I, I always say to people, like, if you ever worry, there's things you can't make jokes about. There's a difference between like, laughing at the fact people are ill and dying and uh, finding humour in the most bleak of situations, and particularly with British people. I mean, anyone who's, well, that's most of us, unfortunately, who've ever lost a relative, a grandma, a spouse, whoever, you'll know that one of the last things to go is sense of humour. I mean, my nan, she had 24 hours to go, and we were still laughing. Um, That is literally one of the last things to go on a Brit. Eyesight will go. The ability to walk will go. You might have a great aunt incontinent in bed, every body function gone, but the humour stays there right till the end on most British people. So it stands to reason that when the the dung hits the fan with a global pandemic, sense of humour should be thrown hard at it and see what comes out the other side.
1: So your caning it sessions really are something of a public service.
2: Well, I, I mean, I didn't think I was a key. I'm a, one of the least key workers. i was speaking <laughs> to a couple of other comics. It's like you really do realise how unkey you are when <laughs> I everything stops. When I, I mean, if everything restarted tomorrow, every every pub, every nightclub, every business reopened, but just stand up, stopped, It really wouldn't matter. I think that's <laughs> I think that's dawning on a lot of comics so <laughs> we really are. We've been banned from Timpsons forever. We're, we're so unkey.
1: you you I'm guessing you're at home in Cheshire with Lindsay. I am.
2: Yeah. 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 Lindsay and, and Lindsay and Minna in the house
1: has lockdown with a four year old.
2: Oh my God! So just. <laughs> just uh, before you've got any syllabus guidance or or teachers might be able to offer some of schools are doing like google classrooms and stuff like that there's loads of things but obviously with someone who's four there if they if you're putting them in any sort of uh, meditation it's kindergarten age so i don't it all happens so far i don't have a sandpit i don't have a harp to play (laughs) while 20 other four-year-olds sing along you've got limited resources i bought i bought i just went online and, and bought 10 emergency dollies under a tenner so i could sort of release one of those every two days well they went in about in three days i'm just uh, i'm just buried in dollies and a uh, board and then yeah we busted out the paddling pool yesterday that bought me 15 so i feel, put put the paddling pool up filled it got a sunbed out that bought me 15 minutes before That's i said hey i've got no one to play with you need to do the voice if you have a dolly daddy and then I have to do the voice. Be able, whichever voice I pick is always wrong. Not that voice. That, not the voice you did last week. Uh, what voice did I give Ken last week? I can't remember what voice I gave Ken last week. Was he American? Was he from Chorley? It could have been anything. <laughs> and then there's a meltdown because I'm doing a slightly different voice.
1: Uh, if, if we are in for the long haul, will, will your family unit survive this, Russell?
2: <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, weirdly, I've noticed. I don't know if anyone else with younger children have noticed this the Minna does seem, she's near shot. H-A-P-P-I-E-R, than usual. Really? Um, so, uh, well, I think they're sort of programmed to want mummy and daddy 24-7, aren't they? I mean, if we were living what human beings had evolved to live, we wouldn't all be working 12 hours a day and having nanas and people help look after our kids. We'd probably like be returning to the cave all together at the end of the night and all hanging out. So I think a kid up until it's about five or six probably wants that. I keep playing to Lindsay. Lindsay's holding on to this thing that, Minna's going to be an easy teenager. because she's like, honestly, I got to 14 and 15, and I just like to snuggle up on the surf with me and mom, watch Coronation Street. I didn't really have a puberty, my body changed, but I stayed at home, though. I'm like, oh, Lindsay is the equivalent of, you know, when you see those horrible videos of someone stood on the tsunami beach thinking, it looks calm for me, I'm just going to stay here, nothing bad can happen. And then the wave wipes out the whole town. That's Lindsay awaiting our daughter's adolescence. <laughs> It's already the butt heads over everything. Right, well, I have one more story. I want six. I want six. And the argument goes to, to 10 straight. So I'm a bit more of a sort of Kofi Annan, Banky Moon, clever negotiator type thing. And, I, and so we have, a, we have a disagreement between what is giving in and what is negotiating. You're
1: giving in, Russell, wrap round a finger type thing. And I'm like, no, no, I'm being clever on negotiating <laughs> and me and Lindsay or <laughs>
2: each other
1: see now you're you're now that you're spending an unprecedented amount of time at home, especially for somebody that really should have been away from home most of the year on tour yeah exactly
2: you you exactly. and Lindsay it's... are
1: getting to see each other's parenting styles really up close
2: yeah, well we're me and Lindsay are lucky in that we are so opposite that that's why our relationship works. I mean, touch wood, we're only three weeks in, but we don't, we don't argue very often. We bicker the same as any long-term couple, but yeah. we're so opposite that all the stuff that winds us up and make us want to sort of bury each other in the garden in side-by-side graves are also the things that make, make it work. So she's laid back, doesn't matter if it doesn't get finished, just coast through life. Do you know what I mean? If there's a sock on the floor, it's not going to kill everyone, is it? I'm like, socks in size order now, up at six, exercise complete. So we drive each other nuts. But we both got all the other stuff that the other one needs. Yeah. I will suddenly, you know, think, oh, let's leave the washing up to the morning. Who gives a toss? We're not going to see anyone. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we planned, we did plan we were going to watch The Godfather the other night at 8pm. It didn't go on at 9pm and we had to watch a different movie. We had to watch something that was an hour and a half long instead of three hours. Instead of blowing a gasket out of the back of my head like I would have done in a different relationship, I'm like, that's what Selma and Louise said, man. It's cool. (laughs) Well, that's Lindsay. That's Lindsay's influence.
1: Listen, I don't, normally on this podcast, we would meet face to face. I would have a couple of bottles of wine. But we're in lockdown. So I don't know about you, but it's 12.25 and if I have a drink now, I'll probably fall asleep. Um, so I'm on a coffee. What about you? What are you, what are you drinking?
2: I'm, I'm caffeinated because I've got one of my live broadcasts for the nation at 1.15pm. Okay. But the good thing about speaking to a comedian is they will overshare anything. Know, the more I sober wait. I am and the more I feel like it's almost like a, a work-based thing, like it's being recorded, the more likely I am to go into a confessional nature. So there's not a part of me that I won't cannibalise to pay my mortgage. (laughs) Not not that I'm being paid, just to be clear.
1: Just to be clear. (laughs) So your first question. I want you to imagine that it's the year 2050. You're giving a TED Talk to a group of wide-eyed young people. They're hungry for a slice of social history. And you're there to tell them about the year that the country, the world, came to a standstill. And you're going to talk to them about the coronavirus pandemic of 2020. What are you going to tell them?
2: So, I'd imagine by the time we get to 2050, the level of social media and narcissistic self uploading will be so bad (laughs) that uh, we will probably have internal cameras that put our organs onto Instagram for likes. That's imagine how how about it. Here's my pancreas selfie. Oh my God, your pancreas is so beautiful. Yeah, it wasn't about that, though. It was obviously to do with climate change. Um, So, I would just say to them, it was the time when we actually remembered what were the fundamentally important things were about being a human being. We reconnect, We realized how important it was to have a physical connection because we had none. In the last 20 years, since 2030, when Organgram came out, whatever it will be called, you <laughs> lot have lost, completely lost that social connection. It's gone now. Um, so listen to the corona generation, the one who couldn't even touch or hug their own parents or grandparents mm. for three months it was a revolution in human uh, connection um and then afterwards when i'm doing the book signing they'll probably want to do selfies with dog face heels on and, <laughs> and i realise i failed
1: <laughs> what do you think the teachings will be out of this though
2: well the teachings well, i think definitely um definitely that that um you should cherish what Physical contact, which we've lost because we think we're such an information super highway internet connected Bluetooth generation, we don't need people. I think that's been shown that no matter what we invent, no matter how many Zooms and Skypes you invent, you cannot take the place of face to no. face human connection and interaction. Maybe technology one day will create holograms so hyper realistic that it, you'll be able to stimulate the part of the brain that feels like you're talking to your mum or. Your partner, heaven forbid, there's you know, people with partners abroad at the moment. But um, until that technology exists, get in a room, get in a pub, see your mates, have a pint. A WhatsApp group is not a night out. It's not. That has become abundantly clear. Um, yeah. So you think- I, think? I think. I think that 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 and probably don't sell dead bats next to live. <laughs> They're the two main learning. People that make me laugh online. Say, yeah, we need to blame China. But it's like those. Stuff like that goes on all around the world. It just happens to be China where that, that animal welfare has had that kind of consequence. Yeah. We should all look at animal welfare everywhere. After all, you know, mad houses, it would have been easy to blame the countries that had that and say it was just because of that country. You know, this kind of animal stuff is going to happen if we're not on it with animal hygiene and responsible farming and stuff like that.
1: Okay, your next question. The worst of times, and arguably, we are in some of the worst of times, can often bring out the very best in people. So, when was that last true for you?
2: Well, I mean, are we allowed to include the current?
1: Whatever, whatever feels like the right answer for you.
2: Well, currently, I'm, I'm, I'm gagging to volunteer and help. I think I would get a real buzz out at the little old lady. Wave with a cauliflower perm from behind a net curtain after a drop from shopping <laughs> off with sterilised gloves. I mean, the fact that that to me feels like something I want to do has reaffirmed that I have not lost myself in this industry. Because when you're a stand-up comic for a living, all you do is stand on your own, harvest the attention of strangers, and then go back to a hotel room on your own. It could have a corrosive effect on your ability to connect with people. So, so I seem to be intact so far. Um, before that, I, I suppose I should do, go on about some of the ch- the charity work. It's the only time I can think of when I actually sort of take my ego and my wallet out of the driving seat. I don't know if you're involved with the Prince's Trust or know anything about yes, it, but it's this changed, amazing it's charity.
1: Changed,
2: it's changed my my life working with it.
1: Um, um, this is um, Prince ch- Prince Charles's charity.
2: It's not for, it's not posh white people running up Snowden, oh, high fiving no. and getting a degree in economics. It's uh it's taking properly. Bro- broken or almost crushed individuals young adults um quite a wide age range though
1: yeah 11 and, to uh, 30
2: yeah and then um giving them purpose and goals and a way to build themselves uh, me and Lindsay have both been involved I'm uh, lucky in that my what I do for a living plugs right into what they need they need loads of fundraising they need loads of hosts for loads of events yeah, they've never really done comedy before, so we've been experimenting with that. I've been running into the, all kinds of situations you wouldn't believe. I did a clay pigeon shoot after party. I mean, you can imagine you know, a clay pigeon shoot in the <laughs> in a Lord's ground. No one's heard of me. they don't watch stand up. So you're battling the fact that no one knows who you are, <laughs> mixed with the awfulness of no sound, no light, and everyone's getting drunk with like guns hanging over their legs <laughs> off the clay pigeon chew It doesn't stop me, though. I just get a buzz out of jangling them and seeing what cash falls out for fundraising, which was why I was there.
1: It was founded in 1976 by Prince Charles. Crazy, crazy, and he wanted to help young, vulnerable people get their lives back on track. Fundamentally, that's what it's that's there it. for. So, if you're between 11 and 30 uh, and you're struggling, you're 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 excluded from 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 society, you're unemployed, whatever it is, they will provide help and support and trust uh, for for you to go in and work within their infrastructure to get the very best out of you. For the rest of your life? Do
2: you know what it is? Like, I, sometimes I'll be a bit. It's not easy to stand up. I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm, I'm not trying to play down to what I do. Obviously, you can imagine some of the knocks. I get all the normal knocks of a showbiz career mixed with live 400 people <laughs> rejection. Some, very rarely, but if the gig's wrong, it can, that can happen. So it's a tough, 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 tough business. But thanks to the work I've been doing the Prince's Trust, that has changed me because I just think, oh. I'm not really like what that lad went through that I heard talk the other week, and it's changed my perspective.
1: But no, as, as you know, what it's really nice at a time like this. To, I mean, last night on the news, I, I'm not sure when this 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 will go out in terms of timelines with the with, with where we are in the pandemic. But last night, Rishi Sunak announced uh, 750 million pounds. Uh, to the charity sector and you some it sounds unless you know the work that these charities do you think well now's not the time for charity Uh, well actually it is because you don't understand the incredibly valuable work that these that these organizations do like the Prince's Trust it's created 125,000 entrepreneurs and has given business support to almost 400,000 businesses in the UK it's amazing
2: I think people will, I, I hope, there's nothing I've wanted to be wrong more than what I'm about to say, but I've got a horrible feeling that the virus is the least dangerous thing. I think the economic fallout and the social fallout afterwards is probably, if not more or certainly as much, in danger, danger to people's health, literally their, their physical health as well as obviously their mental and, health. And social oh, health, Oh, we've to be seen. Yeah. I've got, I've got to be honest, I'm not... I'm, I, there's cards on the table I'm not like a Boris or a conservative fan but I've I've been I have been impressed with some of the a lot of the social measures they've taken some of the stuff was a little bit slow but the stuff where they just put cash on the table and gone boom I mean that just haven't heard from Corbyn Just the, the dollar gun came out and that
1: was it. Before we move on from the Princess Trust, every now and again you get these amazing invites to go and, and yeah. meet with Charles and Camilla. And have you done that? Have you done the Clarence House <laughs> experience? Because I have. Like, you, not,
2: you, you haven't seen my stand-up show. I have did. You?
1: I came to. I came and saw you saw you in Croydon when That's you played that. So yeah. You,
2: you know what my wife did. I won't ruin that because it makes such a good story. I'll tell you what she did the second time. I'll give you an example. when she when she bent down. It was the Princess Trust Awards where you queue on the red carpet. To go in and for people listening to this that have ever been to watch a red carpet event in a theatre, what they do is, so you're not bored while you're waiting for it to start, they film the red carpet and project it into the theatre. Yeah. So one, two, three thousand people can watch, you know, Joel Domit on the red carpet being interviewed, etc. cetera. <laughs> um, and me and Lindsay, of course, were late. Um, Why were you late? We got,
1: How can you be late for such because, a prestigious so what, event?
2: What happened? What happened I, I've got this fear when I do a red carpet of being late and then being on the red carpet at the same time as the high-profile guest. You know, like just behind Tom Hanks as a, like a nobody or something well, like that. Try I trying like to like shove you off
1: the carpet. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's just a
2: phobia. <laughs> I've got, I would like to be first with all the Geordie Sherlock <laughs> and really shine. And uh, I, uh, we were in. We were in. So this is again what I saying about at the beginning of the conversation. So Lindsay would be like, "Let's just." I didn't like hovering. Let's get there at the last minute, get the adrenaline, roll onto the carpet. And I'm like, why don't we get there early and we can always have a coffee around the corner and walk onto the carpet at the right moment rather than risk a slow taxi journey. That's an example of how our brains work different straight away. Yeah. And we, we left it. She won. We had a like, nice relaxing cocktail at the, uh, in Dean Street. And because we didn't leave enough time, as we walked out, her... Her trousers, unfortunately, had split at the at the bum, basically. Um, oh, God. So I, she's walking in front of me to get into our taxi and I'm like, your trousers are completely split at the arse. We have a massive row. So we have to go into a hotel, beg for a sewing kit. She's sewing <laughs> her trousers in the toilet while I scream under the door. So we're really going to, I know we're going to have a crap night no matter what happens anyway. <laughs> we then, the last, the last people onto the carpet, Prince Charles has gone ahead. Everyone's gone ahead of us and are in the theatre, more or less. Just a few stragglers and PR people. And I'm, just in just do the press mode so i didn't occur to me that this was being broadcast live into the theater i just thought this was some random bit of media i could say what i like and they would edit it at a later date didn't edit myself and as we're talking Lindsay has bent down to pick up her bag off the red carpet trousers have split again and where the cameraman thought oh, what's she doing Is she doing something funny has accidentally filmed her nicholas split leather trousers and broadcast her <laughs> actual mum hole into the theatre oh, with royalty god. presents.
1: And Charles was already we walk- seated.
2: And when we walked in, when we were laughing, you get you get sort of put into the front seat by going yeah. in a special door. About six hundred people went Way! and I thought Oh my god, I'm doing so well at the moment. Even celebrities are cheering me. Not realising what everyone had seen. It was on the Daily Mail website within within thirty minutes and people if you want to Google it, Russell Kane, uh, Lindsay Kane's wife, wardrobe, malfunction, Prince's Trust, you'll see the censored picture in the sidebar of shame.
1: You, you made the sidebar of shame with it?
2: Uh, we made it within 30 minutes, before the interval, it was there. But Lindsay's always angry up until, yes, well, most people saw it, they saw the, uh,
1: <laughs> rather more of it than they should, uh, but she's you, always angry. i have just seen. sorry, you actually posted a bum hole with the rip, with this, with yeah, the, but, this, like a winky emoji on Instagram. Was, uh, I'm like, if uh, <laughs> if
2: the story is I always say Lindsay, Lindsay will be like, is it gonna are people gonna pay tickets to you, say I'm like, yes. She's like, where are we going on holiday? Maldives. Okay, I'll give you another short. Sure. <laughs> that's very that's very much how I'm allowed to my mum's the same. I'm allowed to be horrible as long as there's a nice holiday.
1: <laughs> as long as there's a Maldives break at the end of it. That's brilliant. My final question to you, Russell. Your current tour, which I really hope you get back out on the road this year, uh, fast and curious, I think that really does describe your style of thinking and comedy. Uh, your mind is super quick and you are incredibly curious. So have Indeed. you given much thought to what when when we come through this, what aspects of life, as we used to know, you know the life before lockdown? What are the bits of, of getting back to normal that you're not looking forward to returning to? The the, the stuff you could do without?
2: So I, I love every aspect of my job and my life apart from staying in a hotel three, four nights a week. Mm. Um, now that I'm in the middle of the country, it's not as bad as it used to be when I'm touring because most places you can get back to from Manchester, even if it's a four-hour drive, Glasgow wouldn't stay over. I'd be back in my bed by two two i sleep from two till 10 a.m i get a few hours at home so it's not as bad as you might think but inevitably there's a lot of london work with what we do a lot of corporate work a lot of meetings with people and if i've got a london meeting and a london gig night boy, just sometimes it rolls into three four or five six days where it's not mm. worth coming I mean, home that is the only stressful part of my life. comedy has its own stresses but what i call good stress as long as you're enjoying it but the negative stress of my life is trains tra- and travel and it's, co- it's non-stop. It's just constant. And that has stopped dead. I, in fact, I moved into the house I'm in now in March 2017. I'd never, ever achieved five nights on the trot at home and never, never managed it. Four was my record. Really? And now I've suddenly, <laughs> I've suddenly done about 20 or something. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I've got a like a an airbnb setup i use in in london because i'm down there so often and sometimes Lindsay and minna wash because she's under five at the moment they can come down with me yeah sometimes i take colin my pug down with me and um but it's uh you know that the case for example my tour case is on the floor in the bedroom and it's never ever there's a the patch of carpet we've got cream carpet in my bedroom where my tour case sits is more what pale than the rest where the case is constantly there if I'm home. I don't bother unpacking ever. There's no point. And now that case is away for the first time ever. Crazy. Wow, that's quite, but,
1: that's quite a big change in life, lifestyle for magic. you then. Yeah,
2: And it, yeah, so I, I, I think that, that will hit me quite hard when that happens. You, what, what I was disappointed of when I moved up here, thinking, right, in the middle of the country, I'll be able to come home a lot more often. And then you've got your 18 months off, two years off, when you're not touring. And I was away more. Because it sods Laura. As, as soon as I moved, I thought I'm next to Media City. A so lot of things are filmed in Manchester. The amount of London work comes pouring in. Of course it does. Yeah. You're not in a position to say no to anything most of the time. When me and Lindsay were going to get married in 2014, she knew that in May 2014, if I was called in April with a juicy enough job, the wedding would be pulled. She she That's the person she's married. And that's that's the way it is.
1: Would that, would that have the same, been the case?
2: You know it's the case. <laughs> It, there, there's massive, massive positives, but you have to be reactive,
1: yes, and you do. have to
2: go with the flow, and you've got to go with the opportunities. And, you, and if you can find someone that's understanding, like Lin, Lindsay was, uh, Lindsay is, with that side of stuff, then that's why that's why it works. But she knows if Martin Scorsese phoned me and we want an English gangster in a movie, I'm not going to. Oh, it's a shame because it's my wedding next month. I'm going to be <laughs> on a plane to LA, smashing stuff up with Jason Statham. That's where I'm going to be. <laughs> I'm lucky in that the bulk of my tour was last year, so my tour's just paid out. So I'm like, you know, giving it like a, um, I'm like a rapper at the moment. I'm absolutely stacked. But <laughs> like if it's Drake. been a year before. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm just like got my dollar gun in the garden. I put pound coins in it, obviously, for a session. And uh, but uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm 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 very very lucky. I've got no worries for you. If it had been last year, it's lot of people don't understand. They think, oh, you're on stage, you're on telly, you've got no worries. But actually, we. You know, once money runs out, <laughs> it runs out. It runs out. And I'm a dire. I'm, 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 in our business, people won't realize this. You have to set up for tax purposes. Most of us is a limited company. Well, directors of limited companies aren't getting at the moment any,
0: any help, any help no. at all.
2: So yeah. I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones and I'm not moaning mm. about my position. In fact, I'm very fortunate and having a good time with this lockdown process. But there we many, many, many people like me that are sort of one man band limited companies maybe earn anywhere from from 20 to 50 grand a year their money's stopped dead they'll be in trouble very very quickly very quick, so yeah. i was I, I was lucky that um i was lucky that my tour had just paid out but and but still i mean i don't mean to be coarse and talk about money but we're talking hundreds of thousands of pounds just gone straight down the the drain mm. because t- touring is, is my main income and i wanted to carry on to into the end of the year and there's not just the um the lost income is the costs as well there's nothing's insured all the money are laid out yeah. on, on accommodation on tour cars or well, these just go on and on and on but and you it's the wider picture like as well
1: is it, it means that if you're not in theaters playing then the people that run the theaters aren't working and well they've already gone one venue's
2: gone under that i played on this tour from oh. uh, the um in bromsgrove it's gone completely under
1: that's so and sad and so the quick the other
2: aspect of it that The other aspect that people aren't focusing on is um, a lot of the theatres around the country rather than just being locked in these London, Manchester and Liverpool bubbles, as great as those posh cosmopolitan venues are, a lot of the venues, not only do they not have any working capital, so they're going to start sinking one by one, a lot of them are are staffed by volunteers who love their work. Mm. Great. But guess what age most volunteers are? They're 70 plus. So if you think 70-year-olds are going to be rushing back to rooms full of 1,000 people coughing. No, they're not. (laughs) You've got another thing coming. So we're going to have a staffing issue as well come September and October. Who is going to work in these theatres?
1: Well, do you know, I think the one thing you can say is that actually, you know, we've seen an incredible number of people volunteer to help for example, the NHS. So actually, exactly. may, and, and there's you saying that you wish that you you knew that you had the immunity or you'd had it or that you were safe to go out and help and serve. So actually, maybe that appetite isn't just going to be exclusive to the 70 plus generation. Maybe we've learned Hope something so. from that. Yeah, that might, that, so. that might be anyway, a nice hangover. You've got, to
2: be so, you've got to be so careful when you're talking about stuff like this, because I come from a very, I come from a poor family, right? So People will listen to people like me. My armature oh, tour didn't pay out, and think, "Shut up, rich fucker!" Like, I'm not. I'm not moaning about my situation. I'm just pointing out that it doesn't matter whether you're Prince Charles or someone struggling on the Prince's Trust. Everyone has their own fears and and challenges Absolutely. and and worries and uh, anything can hit anyone at any time at any level. I was friends with Caroline Flack for Christ's sake. You know, not not everyone has everything you think they have. So it's a time to Show, just show compassion to everyone
1: to everybody but, yeah I think you're absolutely
2: so right far, so far as what I'm, what I'm um, not looking forward to uh, coming back is, is the travelling that's my number one sick feeling in my stomach I wish I could teleport to, to my gigs but, so you the know, irony being
1: that you're not actually looking forward to getting out of lockdown and getting back on the road like most of us are I mean like so some, many... some
2: days I'm not even I'm not even taking my 30 minutes walk around the block some days you am not... I'm, I'm just no I'm not even I'll just well, I'll do the stairs a couple of times I am lucky to have a garden, that is...
1: Oh, yeah. You
2: cannot overstate the difference of this process for people with a garden yeah. to without. It, it's like different planets. I didn't stand up about it in a week. Like people, people are like, oh, I'm going to go in sun It's like, is that suntan really worth it? it? The park should be for people that walk in that need to stretch their legs because they feel like they're losing the plot in their tiny flat or yeah. something in London. It's not for you to stretch out with six other mates all bright flouting social yeah. <laughs> So, so that when in a few months time, when you're hospitalised, Laura and everyone are going, oh, what a lovely tan she's got, even though she's on a ventilator. It's like, <laughs> fuck your ideas up. I know. Do you know what I mean?
1: Um, but before I let you go, something I'm asking all of my guests, it's the day that we wake up and we're told life has been restored to normal. Lockdown's over. I want to know on that day, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? And, and who will you spend that day with?
2: It'll be the first, it, lockdown. Will be over in two phases. Phase one will be small businesses will be opened, and you can sort of move around longer than thirty minutes and go and see your family again. And phase two will be everything completely returns to normal. I think phase one is the most important one for most people. It, the, the main reason me and Lindsay moved to Cheshire is to be close to all her Northern family. There's, very tight-knit. You know, northern families, like, they help out with everything. We're used to seeing her mum and dad. Her mum and dad stay at least one night a week. They live ten
1: minutes from us. Oh, that's nice. And so, what about our aunt that look, you talk about on your live show? Who's yeah, she auntie doing? Christine as
2: well. We, they, they're doing bingo over house party on a Friday. That Lindsay's calling the bingo and they're all on there <laughs> playing bingo with Christine and everything. Christine sounds like a legend it,
1: by the way. You, can, can you just tell it, us a little bit about Christine? What it took to set
2: auntie Christine, up with that level of technology <laughs> was unbelievable it took four people from nasa to explain it to. she's like you know 65 year old woman don't care i'll speak my mind i'll say what i like and if i laugh too much i'll weigh myself and she does all the time on <laughs> christmas before we sit down to christmas dinner we laugh so much and she knows she's gonna laugh she lines my chair with a tesco carrier bag and goes it's just safer, look right go on carry on with your story <laughs> that's funny so uh, it's just that and my mum immediately I, I won't I, I'm, I'm lucky I've got a young mum for my age but I still even though she's only 65 I'm not going to put her on a on a train so I've got my tour manager who's gagging for work I'll pay him to bring my mum up for seven days and that's that's the thing I'm looking forward to all family all together all around the table and the second stage I don't think we'll notice it you know so much as um all the nightclubs, pubs and theatres. That would just be like going back to work after a long holiday. But that first stage, which has taken away, you know, a large part of what it means to be human, seeing your mum, seeing your dad, oh, yeah. going out for a walk, shaking hands, giving a hug, all things human beings long to do. That's the one I'm looking forward to more than right back to the travel lodge, monkey boy, you've got people to make laugh.
1: laughs. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. Everybody I've asked that question to, everyone said the same thing.
2: It is, and animals are important as well. I mean, my well, I can't do anything without without my pets. And uh, right at the start of this, I lost my 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 cat Keith. He was, I mean, it oh. was his time, but it was only it was only one day of sobbing as opposed to two weeks when I lost my other cat Wayne. He was only thirteen. But Keith was a, you know, he was like a, a bone with hair on. It was definitely his time, but still. Um, and So I just thought, I'm trying to turn a negative into a positive and work out a way to get a new kitten here. Because not very often you've got a forced period at home where you can really work on socialising a pet. So we've managed to find, um, you know, um, we're looking for a pet breeder that's a vet as well because they can still legally move around and they'll be able to bring the kitten to our garden and hand over in a way that complies with all social distancing measures, blah, blah, blah. So... I might have to wait till phase one finishes before I can do that properly. And as soon as it does, there's a Burmese kitten or oh. some sort of cat coming into this house, which I'm really looking forward to.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry that you lost you. Right at the beginning of lockdown, was that?
2: It was right, yeah. It was literally, it was, well, it was always, It was just after it. So the vet, unfortunately, you know, with cats, I, I went as long as I could till he literally couldn't get out of bed. And on that day, oh. the vet had to do the procedure in the gar- owl garden because my vet's is closed, obviously, with everything oh. going on. So we had to get; it wasn't cheap. A vet out, and then a, the vet stepped forward, sedated him. We we stepped forward, gave him one last stroke. We stepped back. The vet finished off the process. We stepped forward. And we did it like that. It is possible to do stuff like that safely and, and 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 whilst complying. But yeah, that's the that's the other aspect of of this lockdown, which because it obviously humans we have to come first, but pets are really important. A lot of people get a lot of stuff from their from their animals. And Colin is working overtime. My pug at the moment He's having to be stroked and cuddled like a cat. Colin, like.
1: love the names as well. What would what would the new cat be be called? Or do you need to see the well, cat before be two, you I know? oh, will get
2: I oh, will get two. Obviously, uh, they're going to be Terry and Roy. I think
1: Terry and Roy. All, they're all names that literally sound like the people that you grew up with Russell
2: exactly they're all uncles from the 80s <laughs> brilliant I wanted to go Darren but it's too, it sounds too much like Colin and Pets get confused if the sounds are similar otherwise I'd I love the idea of a cat called Darren but
1: <laughs> love it oh well look best of luck with the rest of lockdown I really uh, when The tour was scheduled to run until the end of the year, so the, the chances are that you will be back in theatres probably late summer.
2: We've we rescheduled them for starting October, and the ones that we've rescheduled have sold out, you know, within 24 hours. So people are gagging for face-to-face laughter. So, um, ho- well, hopefully those ones I've rescheduled for October actually happen.
1: Well, I can only tell you, I've, I've bought tickets... I came to see you in Croydon we had a bit of a date night uh, we laughed so much and so hard that on the way home we just thought we can't end this night like this this can't be the end and we went and sat in a pub garden until they kicked no us way. out because we just oh, wanted to sustain the ahead. night and you made me laugh so much and and Auntie Christine was probably one of my <laughs> highlights and I, I will encourage people just to buy the tickets just just to go and hear about Auntie yeah. Christine.
2: If you wanna see what Auntie Christine looks like, um She's uh, she's got an Instagram as well. I think it's Christine underscore Auntie. I'll put videos up of her now and again. <laughs> People think I'm exaggerating, and I'm not. there.
1: I'm so following that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you,
2: <laughs> Russell. Thank you. Thanks so you. much.
1: Um, really that was, was a treat, and um, I'm really I'm thrilled to have had you on the show. Thank you. Stay safe. Be safe. Bye. White One Question Time is produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Caitlin Marsa for Yahoo UK, and edited by Callum Goddard and Mucklow. We are all working remotely. Music's by Andy Bell, whose back catalogue is available on iTunes and Spotify. And you can follow us at White Wine QT on Twitter and Instagram. And remember, you don't need your headphones to listen to us. If you're at home on lockdown, just tell your home speakers, OK Google or Alexa, take me to White Wine Question Time and we will fill your home with conversation. Until next week, from me, thank you for listening. Stay safe, stay home and do as we always do and drink responsibly.